Hi there, and welcome to the Press Gallery, Edmonton Journal's politics podcast, the Thanks for Coming In edition. My name is Sarah O'Donnell. It's January 2nd, and joining me today for our first podcast of 2014 are columnist Paula Simons. Hello, Sarah. And provincial affairs reporter Miriam Ibrahim. Hello. The start of a new year seems like a good time for a look ahead at what we think will be the big stories. It's always a little hard to predict what will dominate. I don't think any of us expected Southern Alberta to be completely flooded at the start of 2013. Uh, but given what we know now, I thought we could take a look into our, our crystal balls and make some educated guesses about what important developments we think we'll see at the legislature. And I guess even if you want to go there, Ottawa. I shouldn't say that and sound so disgusted anyways. <laughs> um, to help with this, we're also going to bring in a few more newsroom colleagues. But we'll start with, with this trio of, uh, of uh, political watchers and, and then we'll get a few of our colleagues to join us. Paula, why don't we start with you? What are you going to be watching for in 2014? Well, there are going to be a lot of policy things, but I think I'm really watching for the big narratives. I'm watching to see whether Danielle Smith can successfully complete the extreme makeover she's given herself and her party in the last 12 months. What I really want to see is whether or not she can close the deal in Edmonton. She made a remarkable push into a charm offensive in, you know, in the the province's capital city at the end of 2013. In 2014, can she close the deal? Can she really get traction in Edmonton? I'm going to be watching that with great interest. And I'm also going to be watching to see if there's a change ahead for the New Democrats. I think for a long time now, some of us have wondered at what point Brian Mason is going to step aside and let Rachel Notley take the reins and take the leadership of the New Democrats to see if they can reinvigorate the party. The party did quite well in the last provincial election, relatively speaking, but um, certainly Mason has repositioned himself as the effective leader on the left, appearing with Danielle Smith in that series of debates on campus they did this year. Is Mason ready to step aside? Is Rachel Notley ready to step up? I'm going to be watching to see whether that narrative pans out this year. Okay, Miriam, how about you? What are you going to be watching for for 2014? Uh, Well, I think a a few different things sort of come to mind for the immediate future. Uh, Sarah, you're probably right. Predicting what happens, you know, six or seven months down the road is probably almost impossible. But for me, I think I'm going to be looking forward to a few different things. Um, the first one is, is sort of a holdover from 2013 with all of the uh, labor, the new labor laws, Bill 45 and 46. Um, and so uh, looking at the government sort of showdown with the Alberta Union of Provincial Employees will be interesting. On January 31st, the new legislated wage deal would come into effect or could come into effect. And of course, the AUP has already filed a legal challenge against Bill 46. So we will probably see that um, heard this year. Uh, So I'll be uh, really keenly interested in, in how that all plays out. And of course, we've also got the province's new salary disclosure policy that comes into effect I think rough also at the end of January where we will see um, the salaries of public provincial employees that make um, more than a hundred thousand dollars released publicly so I think that's been a long time coming in uh, something I'm going to be I'll be interested to see what sort of stories come as a result of those salary disclosures for sure. I think I'm going to be watching what happens on the municipal file and will the long talked about dream of a big city charter actually become a reality there now that there's a new minister in the portfolio ken hughes he seems to be talking a little more positively in the year-end interviews i read about possibly a change of 
financial power, some some extra financial clout for municipalities, as well as this uh, just, you know, broader language about the importance of big cities. So I know that Edmonton Mayor Don Iveson and Calgary's Mayor Nahed Nenshi really would like to see some progress on this. I think all of us would, given that this is something that the big cities say really needs to happen if they're to achieve some of their infrastructure dreams without constantly having to go hands out to the provincial government. I don't know. Will it actually happen? What do you do you think? I I think that would be I think it's an important subject to watch. I think what's interesting is that um, I think Nahed Nenshi has said that, you know, it's maybe maybe time to think about different charters for each of the cities because mm. they have such um, you know a different geography different different sets of goals and priorities that sort of thing so that might be an interesting sort of uh, angle to explore this year you know is that feasible is that is that a way to to actually get these charters off the ground quicker right I've been waiting for a big city charter though for a few years so I guess I won't count my chickens on this well, one until it actually happens and, and I I confess I am I remain to be convinced that just because you create something called a big city charter, you know, that's a nice name. I am always concerned that you can announce those and even sign them. But until you give the city actual power over its economic destiny, whether the province is willing to part with that kind of power or part with that kind of tax room, I just don't know. Because it's very nice to say, you know, I could write you a charter, and I can write you a charter. We could all have charters. I would love but to get a Paula Simons charter, I, I, by the way. Right. I would like to know my Paula Simons <laughs> delegated responsibilities and expectations and financial resources. Well, but, <laughs> but that's but that that is it, it is the devil in the details. Until you are going to give the cities a consistent, reliable source of funding, whether that comes from the province or whether that comes from the province giving the city unique taxing powers or vacating tax room for the cities to to uh, take over for themselves uh, you know I worry that a charter is a lot of smoke and mirrors and may not actually give the big city mayors what they actually want which is power and money well those are our suggestions how about we turn now to our lineup of colleagues who are waiting to tell us about what they think is coming in 2014 so we've got Keith Gerine Edmonton Journal's health reporter here with us now and Keith we're talking about the big stories of the coming year what are you going to be watching for on the health file well there's there's quite a number of things actually um, one of them is that our provincial health authority Alberta Health Services currently does not have a CEO uh, Albertans may remember that back in October, the former CEO, Chris Eagle, he stepped down. Uh, and since then, there's actually been three people kind of filling in on a, an interim basis. So we should know in the next two months, three months, hopefully, uh, who the, the next permanent CEO is going to be. Uh, and it's going to be very interesting to see what kind of candidates they get, because this this position has really been a lightning rod for <laughs> criticism. Um, and it's under the thumb of a minister who is, is showing an increasing tendency to kind of intervene when he thinks things are not going his way. So um, it, it may not be the most attractive job in the world to, to a lot of the health executives out there right now. Um, and anything else in terms of uh, people's personal health or things like that? I mean, beyond the usual New Year's resolutions of uh, getting trim and fit and that sort of thing. <laughs> are, are we, okay, we going to get those family care clinics? Well, that, I was just going to bring that up because that's the, an, another very interesting thing. Um, because people, again, may remember that back in the, the last provincial election, Allison Redford promised to create 140 of these family care clinics, right, which was the centerpiece of her... Her, her designs, health, yes, yeah, her, her, her ideas to, to revamp the health system. So far, we've just got three of them. 
Uh, now, the government announced during the summer that they had plans to create another 24, uh, but so far none of those have come to fruition. So again, it'll be interesting to see how this develops in 2014 because there are still a lot of questions about how this whole FCC concept is going to work, whether communities really want them, and how they're going to coexist with the, uh, the primary care, ne care networks that uh, the doctors run right now so, and, pr and provide essentially a lot of the same services. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Keith. I appreciate you coming in. No problem. And now we've got education reporter Andrea Sands here with us. Andrea, what are you going to be watching for in 2014 on the education file? Well, it'll be a pretty big year for education because uh, the public school district is surveying people and they're going to have to have a decision by March on how they're going to handle all of the new students and uh, full schools. And those are mostly around the outside of the city, so outside Anthony Henday. They need to move students out of those schools. Uh, most of them are the new schools, K-9 uh, for the most part. But they're going to have to look at a few different options, and they're in the midst right now of consulting with the public and surveying people about what they would like to see. But uh, there are going to be a lot of students who need to be moved, and probably school boundaries will be changed and neighborhoods will be redesignated. Some kids will have to bus farther to other schools because the schools are full and they need to make a decision by March to implement the changes by September. So do you think that, and, and any of you can chime in on this, will those new schools that were announced at the end of 2013 begin to make a dent in, in the demand that, that was, uh, that's needed in the school district? They won't be built for a while, so um, and I I think the administration for public schools they've said that even even with those new schools there's they're still they still need a plan that that they're not going to have to keep revisiting so that it it has to to be a long term solution um, so it will make a dent I guess but it's not going to be it's not going to solve the problems they they need a lot a lot more new schools than what would have been announced right and I guess it's still the same minister in that file right Jeff Johnson yeah, is still going to be watching yeah. that is this finally the year we get rid of the 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 dreaded grade three provincial achievement tests the grade threes who are writing the tests uh, will still write them this year. Um, I think some schools have actually decided they're not going to do it in Calgary. I think they've decided that they're not going to they're not going to have the grade threes write those tests, but they're phasing it out. So starting um, next year, they're going to be, I guess, phasing out those tests and, and replacing them with the new student learning assessments. Right. So we're not getting rid of testing altogether, just trading it in for something different. Yeah. And those will be at the beginning of the year and they're hmm. supposed to help teachers see where they need to teach, I guess, see, see where the students' strengths and, and weaknesses are so that they can tailor the programs to help the kids. Fantastic. Well, thanks for coming in, Andrea. Thanks. So with us now to give us a look ahead at the year in Northern Development is General Reporter Marty Klinkenberg. Marty, what are you going to be watching that uh, has political connections this year? Well, I think one of the more interesting things to follow will be the potential litigation between the Alberta's First Nations and government and industry over development in the oil sands. Okay, are, are there some lawsuits that have been launched, or is it just the chal the the, oh, the yeah. threat of them? What are? So oh no, there there are uh, any number. I, I can't even tell you what the number is, but I think there's more than a dozen different challenges now that have been launched against different projects. And one of the the theories is that in terms of 
slowing down development that the First Nations are the only ones with the ability to kind of keep keep the development in check through their treaty rights. And they've been filing these filing these challenges and are gearing up for more challenges and they have they've been building their financial resources and gearing towards this. Oh that's right isn't the Neil Young concert one of the uh, sources of the of the fundraising for these legal challenges or some of them? Four four concerts by Neil Young and uh, we'll put millions of dollars into the pot for the Athabasca Chippewa First Nation. Okay well thanks for coming in Marty. Well, thank you for having me, Sarah. And now Karen Cleese, Provincial Affairs reporter, has joined us. Karen, we're asking everyone what stories you're going to be watching in 2014 with a political edge. So what's in your uh, file that you're going to be watching? So I'll be watching for the fallout from the Fatal Care series. We've got a new human services minister. Uh, Manmeet Bular has taken over the portfolio from Dave Hancock. We know that the province is planning a roundtable in the new year. I think that we can be well assured that they're going to be looking at the publication ban issue around children who've died in care and also the child death review system. But there are so many questions that uh, remain unanswered about what that uh, what that roundtable is going to do. We've seen the power of the parameters that the premier sets. If those are narrow or broad, we'll determine to a great extent how uh, how much information and how much change comes out of that roundtable. Um, who's going to be on it? How's it going to be organized? Will the hearings be public if there are hearings at all? Uh, and who will they hear from? I wonder if they will just be taking advice from folks who have established the current system or if they'll be looking for people outside the system, experts in these areas, to, to give them information and help them make their decisions. How will they report is a really big question. We know they're going to table it in the legislature, but we don't know what what that report is going to contain. And uh, I think importantly, too, will the recommendations be binding and will the minister be required to respond publicly to them? So those are all questions that are that'll be following to the Fatal Care series that we published lately. And for people who may have just forgotten after a a couple months, can you remind us what the the main findings of your fatal care series were? Uh, The chief finding of of the series was that 145 children had died in care. That's triple the number of children who uh, had been publicly reported by the province prior to that. And I think importantly, we shed some light on the problems associated with the uh, draconian publication ban that's in place that prevents families from speaking out about the children who've died. And uh, and also the, the child death review system, which uh, has a lot of different moving parts and, and maybe isn't uh, as effective as it could be. Okay, thanks for coming in. You're welcome. Data journalist Lucas Timmons is with us now. What are you going to be watching for on the political scene, Lucas? I'm going to be taking a look at uh, campaign donations. Um, I read something by Miriam actually not too long ago that talked about how the Wild Rose brought in more money last year than uh, than the PCs did. And... You know, to me, I, th- I think that's really what's going to show if there's a, a change of tide in support across the province. Right, because you've worked on this before, right? You've you've been doing some work on this over the last couple years? Yeah, we put together a database, which is on our website now, and it's searchable, and you can look and see who's made donations. And um, the thing that was really neat before the last election, we looked, and there wasn't really a huge swell of change between who was donating to, to you know the PCs and then to the Wild Rose. There were a few people that moved over, but not a whole bunch. And when the polls were all saying, you know, new government's coming in, I, I remain pretty skeptical of that because I, I tend to think that uh, where the money goes, that's where the votes go as well. So, you know, we're a few years out for from an election, but if you start to see people moving their money, 
from the PCs to the Wild Rose, that's when I would start to get concerned if I was uh, if I was Allison Redford. Right, and I suppose we also would be interested to see if the NDP and the Liberals can get more donations than they have, because I know it's been a m- much more of a struggle for them to raise money and, and compete on the donations front. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true, and I think Alberta doesn't get enough credit for being progressive. I mean, just look at who the mayors of the two major cities are in the province. So you never know, maybe that's... There's a lot of young people coming here to work. Maybe that's where they're going to be putting their money politically. Fantastic. Well, thanks for coming in. Oh, you're welcome. And for our final look ahead for 2014, we've got Sheila Pratt, Journal Senior Reporter. Sheila, you've spent a lot of time on environmental stories. So what are the big issues on that front you're going to be watching in 2014? Oh, a lot of big issues in 2014. As you know, I covered the um, Northern Gateway Pipeline hearings, and that's going to still be an issue yet as yet resolved, but many environmental issues to deal with there. The uh, other thing to watch for are the greenhouse gas regulations from the federal government and the province. They've, they've been delayed from the federal government for almost a year now, and uh, that'll be very key because with the climate change talks resuming in Paris for a uh, you know, to reduce climate change regulations. Everybody's watching what Ottawa is going to do to the oil and gas industry. So do you think there actually will be new greenhouse gas regulations in 2014? Or are we going to go through another 12 months where nothing happens? Just Well, I, uh, that's a very good question. I wouldn't have thought they've waited this long, but they're in a waiting game partly with the U.S. As you know, we don't want to step out ahead of the U.S. But the fact is, in the U.S., greenhouse gas emissions are declining because they're getting rid of more coal than we are. So Yeah, and I have to ask you one thing about the U.S. One story in 2014, I think a, a pipeline-related story we're all going to be watching. Another one. Yes, yeah. <laughs> not is the Keystone Pipeline. Do you think that we're going to... S- see an answer on that in in the in the early part of 2014 or later do you have any sense you know i i'm not an expert in american politics i'm sure it will have something to do with the uh 2014 congressional elections which are not till the fall so what's his incentive to hurry up unless he thinks that's he's got to have to decide i guess whether the issue is going to help or hurt him in those uh um, states that he needs. So i i wouldn't look for resolution tomorrow that's for sure okay well thanks a lot for coming okay Well, that was a lot of stuff to watch. I feel like we're going to be very busy in 2014 and that the politicians are also going to be very busy and probably government staff as well. Definitely government staff. But when we're not busy in 2014 and are kicking back and relaxing and looking for something to read or watch, we we want to have some good stuff recommendations for you. So, Miriam... What would you recommend for your first good stuff from the gallery in 2014? Oh, the pressure is on. Um, Well, I don't know that this is something necessarily that you would pick up when you are kicking back for some easy reading. However, it's something that caught my eye this morning. Um, And it's an editorial from the uh, New York Times calling for clemency for whistleblower Edward Snowden. Um, You will recall uh, last year the documents, the classified documents that were leaked to journalists by Snowden um, regularly made uh, headlines internationally after it was revealed that the National Security Agency had a unprecedented reach into everyday people's lives, be it their emails or their voicemails or their um, contacts, their internet habits, everything basically. And so I thought it was really interesting that the editorial has come out saying that uh, Snowden should not be prosecuted for doing what they've deemed to be uh, was in the public interest. So definitely recommend that. Sounds like a good read. Sounds like something as an editorial writer I should probably definitely read. 
Paula, how about you? What's your good stuff uh, recommendation? The first of 2014. I feel like there should be a bell or something. Well, I was so happy because under the Christmas tree, and this is, you know, this is a nerd's Christmas, I got a copy of the book I'd asked Santa for, which is The Longer I'm Prime Minister, a political, I don't want to call it a biography of Stephen Harper, but a political analysis by Paul Wells of McLean's Magazine. It's funny and wicked and insightful and it is Wells absolutely plays no favorites analysis of Harper's rise to power of his defeats of Stefan Dion and Michael Ignatiev and it, it ends with the Senate scandal of Mike Duffy and Nigel Wright uh, as the coda to the piece uh, what's great about it is that Wells does meticulous research and reportage and as I say he is not a partisan uh, it's not that he doesn't have opinions but nobody would read this book and say, oh yeah, he's a liberal, he's a new Democrat, he's a conservative. He passes judgment on people without fear or favor, and as a result, it makes for a cracking good read. And and what really comes through is that after all of these years of covering Stephen Harper in Ottawa, uh, he remains, I think, to Wells an enigma as he does to so many of us. Well, that sounds good. You know, Santa loves us both the same because I got that same book along with an exciting (laughs) stack that included Michael Ignatieff's book and Joe Clark's book. Oh, the fun I shall have. Um, But I haven't cracked that one yet because I'm still working on something that was in my pre-Christmas pile that I'm going to recommend. I'm not quite through it yet, but... It's a good book and worth picking up if you haven't already. It's a Susan Delacourt Shopping for Votes. This is a book that goes through the kind of modern times, I guess, of, of Canadian politics and how political parties have changed their marketing strategies to voters. And in fact, how we're not voters anymore, we're consumers. And it's a really detailed chronicling. And that's why it's taken me, I'm not saying that it's like, it doesn't take you too far in, but it's it's a rich book. So I'm, it's not something I'm just flipping the pages through quickly. I'm making sure that I absorb it as I go. So I, I do recommend it, though. It's a good it's a good read. So we'll post those links on our website, edmontonjournal.com, and our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash thepressgallery. For your New Year's resolutions, dear listeners, I hope you'll consider liking the page on Facebook or recommending it on iTunes or making a comment. Tell five friends about the show. I know I shamelessly plugged it to parents sitting next to me at the Confederation Hockey Tournament last weekend. Previous episodes of the show are archived on edmontonjournal.com's opinion page and also on the SoundCloud, Edmonton Journal SoundCloud page. The Press Gallery will be back next week. Thanks so much for listening.